Wow, this is a story about walking from the book of Exodus. Because you were just standing, I'm not going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word. But let me read you our text for this morning that comes to us from Exodus chapter 19. You can follow along on the screen. On exactly the third month anniversary of the Israelites leaving the land of Egypt, they came into the Sinai Desert. They camped in front of the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to Moses from the mountain. This is what you should say to Jacob's household and declare it to the Israelites. You saw what I did to the Egyptians, how I lifted you up on the eagle's wings and I brought you to me. So now, if you faithfully obey me and you stay true to my covenant, you will be the most precious possession out of all the peoples since the whole earth belongs to me. You'll be a kingdom of priests for me, a holy nation. These are the words you should say to the Israelites. Well, then the Lord said to Moses, I'm about to come to you in a thick cloud in order that the people will hear me talking with you so that they will always trust you. When morning dawned on the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud blast of a horn. All the people in the camp shook with fear. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their place at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord had come down on it with lightning. The smoke went up like the smoke of a hot furnace while the whole mountain shook violently. The blast of the horn grew louder and louder. Moses would speak and God would answer him with thunder. This is the word of God. Many people have said that a small God brings big problems. Today in our story, it is not a small God. It is God with thunder and lightning whose voice is perceived in a cloud and the clapping and the moving and the shaking of the earth. People say that it's a small God that brings big problems. I want to ask another question. Does a big God bring problems too? Maybe just different problems. Hold on to this question while we take a look at our text this morning. Does a big God bring big problems? So we are now just three months out of Pharaoh's Egypt and the children are at the base of the mountain, supposedly 7,500 foot peak. It's not the most glorious, but the most memorable in the Sinai Peninsula. It takes maybe three hours, unless you, I hear you can take a taxi now. Up and down the mountain. Moses spends his time going up and down the mountain in this story. Up and down and up and down, listening to God and reporting to the people, listening to the people and reporting back to God. Sometimes in this story, it gets a little confusing. It feels like, it feels like God has Moses at the top of the mountain, but he's shouting down at the bottom. Or it sounds like Moses was just asked to give a message to the people, but he's already given that message. Sometimes the story is a little bit choppy. Ignore that, friends. Simply keep reading. Would you do that? I'm not sure I say it enough around here. Please open your Bibles and read. There are words of life here. And if you don't have a Bible, hey, someone made a donation this week. Students in particular, take a Bible home. Look, it's raining. Put on a pot of soup. Bake some bread. Open the Bible this weekend. Make cookies or muffins or cake.
cakes or pies or all of it. This story begins in Exodus 19 and it ends in Exodus chapter 24 and it's begging to be read. In this story, the people who have been hoping to meet God, their wish comes true. In Exodus 19 in particular, what we just read here this morning is one of the big stories of our faith history. This is why we're saying, please read it. Read it again and again. What are, what are the large stories your family tells? The ones you wouldn't be a family without the story. That's one of these kinds of stories at the base of Mount Sinai. Some of you were here a few summers ago when Elvin Rodriguez shared the story of his family coming out of Cuba, and I remember his mama saying to me after church, but you didn't hear enough of it. You come and visit me. I will talk to you for days and days about what God did for our family. It's one of these kinds of stories at the base of Mount Sinai, Exodus chapter 19. This is a big God, and I want to know if we have even bigger problems with this God. Chapter 19, verse 4, let me read. You saw what I did to the Egyptians, how I lifted you up on eagles' wings, how I brought you to me. So now, if you faithfully obey me and you stay true to my covenant, you'll be my most precious possessions out of all the peoples, since the whole earth belongs to me anyhow. You'll be a kingdom of priests for me and a holy nation. The storyteller says that the people all respond. We will do everything you ask, God. All the people use their voices. The men, the women, the children, the teenagers, the cranks, the you know, extroverts, the everybody answers, yes, God, we will do what you're asking. I wanna know if they've actually absorbed that welcome message this is Jesus' welcome to Sinai message. I brought you out on eagle's wings. Can they understand that metaphor? The commentators tell us this is the only metaphor used for God in the whole book of Exodus, an eagle. Except for that song of freedom they sing the other side of the Red Sea. Now God is compared to an eagle which is supposed to convey a sign of strength and protection, a sign of tender retrieval, bringing people towards God. I wonder, God as an eagle delivering his people, bringing them back home, if we could fit on the back of an eagle, then we must not be too much trouble. God can get us to God's self. I want to know if the people of Israel can understand this image at the base of Mount Sinai, on the back of eagles, I bring you to me. So you are now with me rather than building bricks in an economy in a nation that will never acknowledge you becoming a warrior in an army or a prize for warriors in someone else's army, working for an economy that will never reward you, growing the crops in the fields for the royal treat, royalty or nursing their babies and feeding their children. Rather than all of that in Egypt, God says, I'm bringing you to be my people. Out here at the base of Sinai, a new society is gonna be born. So Moses is up and down the mountain in this story. Verse 18, Mount Sinai was all in smoke. People are at the base of the mountain. They're preparing to meet God. They've washed themselves. They've taken showers. They put on clean clothes, students. They did all the things. This is what, how the storyteller goes. Mount Sinai is all in smoke because the Lord had come down with lightning. The smoke went, smoke went up like the smoke of a hot furnace while the whole mountain shook violently. 
The blast of the horn grew louder and louder and Moses would speak and God would answer him in thunder. Moses and Aaron are summoned up to the top. This is the part where God gives the 10 words, the 10 ideas. We spend lots of time studying that part of Exodus chapter 20. Moses and Aaron are at the top. The people are anxious down below. The storyteller says they're anxious not about the Ten Commandments. They're, they're anxious because there's thunder and quaking and shuddering. So that when Moses comes back down, the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning and the sound of the horn and the mountain smoking. And the people shook. They shook with fear and they stood at a distance and they said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but don't let God speak to us anymore. We don't like that. You, you do that. We'll just take a step back now because we don't want to die. They have been longing for God in their presence and when they get God in their presence, it scares them to death. The remainder of the story is now about the next 40 years, about how Moses talks to God, brings the message to the people. Moses listens to the people and then takes a message back to God. And this goes on and on for 40 years. In Deuteronomy chapter five, Moses will reminisce about this. Oh, remember that time at Sinai when you were afraid of the voice of God? On Moses' deathbed, he'll reminisce again. Oh, remember a loving voice came to you at Sinai. Moses wonders if God was looking for a different outcome from the people this day. This is how the rest of the story goes. Moses listens to God. Moses speaks to God. The people wait to hear from Moses. At the foot of Sinai, they have this experience that stretches them, church. They're not prepared for what they receive. It, it goes beyond their Consciousness, it goes beyond their, their, their sensibilities. Who is this God that speaks with a voice of thunder and lightning? Abraham Joshua Heschel says, well, would you expect a human, a human made of flesh, to remain smug and calm in the presence of the overwhelmingness of God? In fact, all of Psalm 29 is devoted to this, the power of the voice of God. What would we do? Had we been at the base of Sinai, imagine for a moment with me while we try and experience a little bit of the sounds of what they might have heard that day. Listen. And imagine it's really dark. keeps going and going and going. You hear the baby cry? Did you hear the baby cry? Yes. Imagine what we would do. That's the voice of God. That's what we were waiting for. The people now surrender to Moses. They take a step back, they vacate their space in the story because they are caught in a space that they don't know what to do. They say to Moses, we surrender, you go ahead and talk to God for us. We'll, we'll back up now. Because a big God comes with big problems, friends. 
I've been trying to sit still with texts for about a year when we're teaching and preaching rather than jump around to three, five, seven, ten points in a passage. I'm attempting to sit still. It's not easy in a story like this because you're listening to one thing and then another detail will dance in front of you in the book of Exodus. But when I sit still, can I hear an overwhelming theme? I hear a big God who brings different big problems because now it's freedom they're dealing with. Freedom for each person to be in a covenant, not coercion. Freedom for each person to use their voice in the community, no exclusion. Freedom for the people to make the path they're about to walk. It's freedom because it's in a completely different God they're dealing with, a big God, big problems. They were slaves to Pharaoh, but now they'll be servants to God. In Hebrew, it's the very same word. It's a careful nuance here because it's completely different identities, isn't it? You're slaves when you're with Pharaoh, but you are a servant to the most high God now. A new society being born out there in Sinai in the wilderness. The people have now what they lacked in Egypt. They have some power in their hands. They have their own human agency in their hands, free will in their hands, voices in their hands. The Talmud, collection of writings of Jewish thinking and laws. In the Talmud, it says at this moment in Sinai, the people had, they, they chose sanity because they couldn't understand what this was. They had an allergic response to the goodness of God. And so they retreat, and they say to Moses, you go ahead and talk to God, we'll just stay here. This is the grand theme in the story that I'm hearing today in 2018 as I read. You can take the people out of slavery, but how do you get the slavery out of the people? How do you get slavery out of people? When you've only known Pharaoh, how do you learn about God? This is what's happening at the base of the mountain. The messages of Egypt, the power of Egypt, the scripts of Egypt. How do you exchange those scripts for new scripts, for a new life with God? I, I don't know the answers for all of that. I'm naming what I see here today. How do you get the slavery out of the people? Because you're not going to simply ex exchange slavish obedience to Pharaoh to your new life with God. Michael Walzer says this, there is a life that is neither oppressive or corrupt. God's promise generates a sense of possibility that the world is not all Egypt. And this scares the Israelites. God will always be on the side of freedom. God will always be on the side of releasing the slaves. If we're confused about this, we need to read Exodus again. And the boy Jesus will be raised with this story. He'll sit at Passover year after year and they'll recite this freedom from Egypt, the exile into a free relationship with God. These are the stories that will shape the boy Jesus. He will know from the time he is tiny. You cannot oppress people, repress people, suppress people. Everyone is free to be with God. Please, someone say amen. How do you get the slavery out of the people? This must sound familiar to someone here today. 
If you go to the Humane Society and you adopt a dog, right? You take a rescue dog home. Have you seen these, these animals? You bring them home and every time you pass by, they cower. They, they cower. They're just waiting for you to kick them or hit them or slap them. You've seen these dogs that have been terribly abused. It takes them months and sometimes years to learn. In this house, you don't have to cower. We don't hit. We don't kick. You're free to be a little creature. How do you get the slavery out of people? Somebody here today understands what I'm saying. Maybe you haven't been owned by someone, but you understand the scripts and the tapes in our mind. You understand from when you were little, someone said to you, you don't fit in with the rest of the family. Why can't you just fit in? Someone said to you, are you sure you need to eat more? Someone said to you, could you just think before you speak because it's so embarrassing what, the things you say. On the playground, someone said to you, can't you speak English here or just go home? Somebody here understands, how do you get the old scripts out when you've been told you don't belong, you're not enough, you're kind of odd, your passions are weird too. Could you just fit in? How do you exchange, friends, those old tapes? When the slaves arrive at the foot of Sinai, I don't know what condition and how, was their, how were their emotions, right? Precognitively, their feelings, they're gonna meet their God, but where, where's, where's their heart from where they've been? They didn't get behavioral therapy on the journey. No psychologists, no psychiatrists, no programs they could check into to detox and reassimilate into a new world, a fresh story, a fresh script with God. How do you get the slavery out of people? That's what I want to know today. How do you get those tapes out? Because we have them about our identity in the world with our family and our friends, but we also have them about our picture of God. We do not take a slavish obedience into a relationship with God. There is an old chorus that needs to be replaced with a new composition. I've told you about my father before when he was in college and he applied to get to, into dental school with a C average. And the good folks at our sister campus laughed at him. We un understand why. And told him, you should just go to trade school. And if you just have that determined, stubborn gumption, you just keep at it until my father got into dental school. And he walked around the rest of his life with these scripts in his head. Oh, he might have got in and graduated. Oh, he might have created a beautiful practice in a community serving people who, who worked at day jobs, laborers in a paper mill. He had beautiful relationships and friendships. When he died, everyone came to his funeral and said, I knew Doc Nelson and I have all my teeth. The most charming stories at his funeral. And he walked around his entire life with his shoulders down, cowering. How do you get the slavery out of people? It will take generations before Jesus will summarize all of this. The boy Jesus who grows up at the as the man Jesus and says to the people, you are free indeed. Everyone st stand up tall in God's story. You are free indeed.
I'm thinking about the young Ellen White today as our church is gathered in Battle Creek, our administrators and our leaders and several hundred voices who represent us in business session that begins tomorrow. I'm thinking about the young girl Ellen White, a young teenager. She would wake in the middle of the night traumatized by nightmares she was having of God, an angry God a mean-spirited God, not unlike a pharaoh, and she worked, would sleep and have these dreams again and again and again until someone finally told her, Ellen, go talk to your pastor, and the pastor sat her down and said, sweet girl, God loves you. God is love. I'm so relieved she got that message. How do we work the old scripts out? That God really is love. It's the 20th century preacher, Harry Emerson Fosdick, who says, tell me about the God you don't believe in. There are lots of gods I don't believe in. Friends, this is what we're working on for these weeks, this month of October. Who is the God our life is aimed towards? Ask these questions again in your families. I feel some empathy with the people at the base of Sinai. I feel a little empathy that when they show up and they hear the bellowing loud voice of God that they retreat and they turn their role over to Moses. I I feel some empathy because it takes some while to get the slavery out of the people. It's also not lost on me this week as our church does business in Battle Creek beginning tomorrow morning that there could be something more important than making sure 18 million people walk in a straight policy line. There could be something much more important than enforcing 18 million people to do church exactly the same. There could be something so much more important like making sure 18 million people can hear the voice of God. Making sure 18 million people can hear it, can can respond to it, can have dialogue with that voice, can question that voice. Making sure 18 million people in their own agency, in their own language, in their own nation can see and hear God. Because when Jesus comes in the clouds of glory, I am so certain he's not gonna ask me, did you make sure your church walked in a policy line in unison? I think he's gonna say, do you recognize my voice? Then let's go home. In the name of God, our creator, Jesus, our redeemer, the Holy Spirit, our guide, amen.